It's a beautiful day. You know it's the best day we ever had? Who knows why? Path of the just is a shining light that shines brighter and brighter to the perfect day. Every day gets a little brighter. Every day gets a little brighter to the perfect day. Oh, thank you, Lord. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, we ask today you give us ears to hear and hearts to obey. And Father, we just thank you for what you're doing in our lives. We just bless you and we just invite your presence to come. And we ask the Holy Spirit, the teacher, the great teacher, to come and teach us all things today. Lord, we need the anointing to teach us everything. We don't need any man teaching us anything. We need your Holy Ghost teaching us, comparing spiritual things with spiritual things. And Father, we thank you for that anointing to teach in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Well, last week we started on this thing, if God be for us, who can be against us? If God be for us, who can be against us? If God spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not also with him, what's the next word? Freely give us all things. Now say that word, freely. I want you to say it again, freely. There's not many things in this world we freely get. Freely. What does freely mean? Free. How many of you have had a hard time receiving something free? Most Americans have a hard time. We want to give something for it, you know. I mean, this one guy is talking about this pastor, and he said, Now, Pastor, uh, if I come today and I bought you a brand new car, a brand new Mercedes, and I handed you the keys, and, and you said, uh, well, You know, I just, can't, I just can't accept that. That's just too much. Let me pay a little on it. And he says, No, if you want to pay a little, you pay the whole thing. See, that's the way God is. He freely paid the whole thing. That's right. And if you want to try to help him pay something of what he's paid, he'll just say, well, you just go ahead and pay the whole thing then. It's called the law. It, is. it takes forever. It, yeah, it's going to take you forever and you'll never get it paid. You either receive it free or you're going to pay for it. There's, there's no mixture in this deal. It's either free or it's not free. It's either a gift or it's works. How shall he not also with Christ freely Freely. Say freely. Give us all things. Matthew chapter 10. And when he called unto him his twelve disciples, verse 1, he gave them power against unclean spirits to cast them out, to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of diseases. He gave them power to go do all that stuff. Now the names of the twelve, you know what they are. But I want to go to verse 5. says, And Jesus sent them forth and commanded them, saying, Go not the ways of the Gentiles into any city of Samaria, but rather go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And as you go, preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils. What's next? Freely you have received, freely give. Now, here's a guy born under the law, come to preach to those under the law, and he's talking about freely you've received and a freely give. That's totally opposite of what they've been trained under. Freely you have received. Now, that tells me something. What? He said, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils. He said, you've received all of this. That tells me they got all of that. They got all of that freely. Now, he said, you've freely received, now freely give. And he said, oh, and by the way, tell them the kingdom's here. Isn't that what he said? In other words, yeah, he said, tell them the kingdom of God is here. 
Freely you have received, freely give. If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not also with him freely give us all things? You know, I was thinking about what Steve said a while ago. In our prophetic camp meeting we had the other night, there was a word given that this place would always be a well for the thirsty. It would always be a well of water for the thirsty. And as Steve was saying that, I thought about this scripture in Revelation. Turn with me to Revelation. I want to look at that Revelation 21. I want you to get this freely thing in your mind. We need to understand what freely really is. We need a revelation of freely. Revelation 21, 6. And it says, He said unto me, It is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. That's Jesus, right? I will give to him that's a thirst of the fountain of water of life. What? What? He that's thirsty, I will give him a drink of the water of life freely. He that overcomes shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he be my son. We don't want to go to the next verse. It's not a good verse to go to. 22.17, what does he say? And the spirit of bride say, come. And let him that heareth say, come. And let him that is a thirst come. And whosoever will, let him take of the water of life freely. Jesus came preaching, freely you have received, freely give. You've got to give up all this other thinking and let it all go. And I was thinking over here, in, in, remember in Isaiah chapter 55, what did he say? Right in the middle of all the law, talking about the, the, the law and all this. He says what? In Isaiah 54, no weapon formed against you. Verse 17, you shall prosper in every tongue that arises against you in judgment. Thou shalt condemn. This is a heritage of the servants of the Lord. And their righteousness is of me, saith the Lord. Ho, everyone that thirst, come ye to the waters. And he that hath no money, come buy ye, eat Come buy wine, milk, without money and without price. Come buy milk, wine, without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which satisfies? Hearken to me, diligent, and you shall eat what that which is good, and let your souls, what is that? Your souls delight itself in fatness. Incline your ear and come and hear, and your soul will live. And I will make a what? Everlasting covenant. What is this whole everlasting covenant based on? He that's thirsty, come. Come be a partaker without price. Freely you have received. It's free. It's either free or you got to buy it. There's no mixture. It's either free or you got to buy it. you got to earn it. So it's time for us to understand what really free is. I told the guys in the coffee shop, God's so gracious to bring us little by little. Not that we were ever legalistic. But he's been so gracious to us to bring us out little by little as showing us his grace. And if he had told us and poured on us what grace really is, the total, and we hadn't got it all yet, if we really understood what freely really means, you know what? Most people think you'd lost it. Maybe most people in this church would think you've lost it. Because we're just beginning to understand what freely really means. That it's freely given to us. Is that right? You know, it's been here all along. We just missed most of it. Oh, we really hadn't missed it. We just thought we had to help him out a little bit. And a little leaven leavens the whole lump. 
Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. How many is all? How many is all? The Greek for all is all. That means all. But looky here. Being justified, what? Freely by his grace through redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God set forth to be the propitiation through, the, through his blood to declare righteousness for the remissions of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God. To declare his righteousness that he might be just and the justifier of them that believe in Jesus. Believe what he's done. Now, we talked about he that overcometh. Let him come and drink of the water of life for it. Well, Revelation 2.26, I think it is. He that overcometh and keepeth my works to him. What's he going to do? Make you ruler over cities. How are you going to overcome? By keeping what he's done for you. An overcomer is one that partakes of the overcomer. It's not about what you do. An overcomer is one that is partaker of the overcoming life that he paid for. It's not about you. It's keeping his works. And that will reference you back to, to Luke. I mean, John there in 6, we said, Good master, what shall we do that we may inherit, that we may do the works of God? And what did he say? This is the work of God, that you believe on me. Now, there's another thing. Remember that word on? Into. That you believe into me. It's not enough just to believe on him. You've got to believe into him. Because if any man is in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away and all things have become new. And we're living by the life of what? We're living by the life of another. So what has he done here for man? Freely he's given us all things. And I think of that scripture in Psalms 8. We don't like to think about it. But when David's talking about here in Psalms 8, look what he says in Psalms 8. I'm going to read it to you. Oh, let's see. Verse 1. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth, who has set the glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings hast thou ordained strength because of thine enemies. In the New Testament, it says, Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings hast thou perfected praise. Wow. Perfected praise. Okay. Hast thou ordained strength because of your enemies, that you might steal the enemy and the avenger. What is praise to do? Steal the enemy and the avenger. When I consider the heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon, the stars which you have ordained, what is man that you are mindful of him, and the son of man that you visit him? For you have made him a little lower than that word is Elohim, it's God. You've made him a little lower than yourself. Catch that. And you have crowned him with glory and honor. And you've made him to have dominion over the works of your hands. You've put all things under his feet. That's what man is. God has ordained us to be what? Crowned with glory and honor. And he's put everything under. What did Jesus say? He sat down expecting his enemies to be made what? His footstool. Who's he looking at to do that? The church. He's already done it. He just wants you to recognize it and and remind the devil that it's done. See? And that's what... That's what man is. God has made man. What did Jesus, what did God give to Adam? He gave him dominion over everything. Now, you know, that's been part of the problem. You know what the real problem with all fallen man is? Every single person has this eternity thing set in the heart of every single man that comes in this world and woman. He knows at one time he had authority. He knows at one time he had dominion, but he's lost it. And he's trying to get it back any way he can. He's trying to establish that dominion. Why is there so many secret religions and secret societies? 
They're looking for dominion they lost. They're looking for dominion. But see, there's only one way to get it. You've got to come back to where you lost it. And he is the one that gives you. Behold, all power is given to me in heaven and earth, Jesus said. Now you go take care of things. And all creation is waiting for the manifestation of sons and daughters of God. They'll just rise up and realize what they have. And begin to take authority and dominion over what's going on around them. You think we need to be taking some dominion over what's going on around us? Huh? What did he say? Occupy till I come. What does that mean? Get out of there and get up and go do something. Now, one thing I want you to know, don't go do something until you learn to sit there. You got to hear me. What is that? They that enter into God's rest must first cease from their own rest. The way God did. And when you enter into God's rest, and guess what that word rest means? There it is. Is that the Greek word for rest? That's it. You don't have a better picture than that right there. It means to repose. What does this do? What happens if you go over there and kick it back? That's repose. You work from a place of rest. And you know what it is? When you're doing what God's called you to do from a place of rest, guess what? It ain't work. It's not work. It's a joy. But you do it in his strength. We live by the strength of another, the life of another, the faith of another. You're working with him. We're co-laborers with Christ. And he goes with us, confirming the word with what? Signs following. So we've got to learn what it means. Second Peter chapter 1. See, all of it's been freely given to us. Second Peter chapter 1. Oh, hallelujah. Says Simon, a servant and an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ, to them have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God. Where did we get it? The righteousness of God. And the Savior Jesus Christ, grace and peace be multiplied unto you. How? Through the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Through the knowledge of him. According as his divine power, Deutimus, has given to us all things that pertain to life, Zoe, that's God kind of life, and godliness, how? Through the knowledge of him that called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given to us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these promises you might be a partaker of his divine nature, having escaped the corruption that's in the world through lust. How are we made partaker of his, his divine nature? Through these promises. And what's a promise? It's a gift that's been given to us freely. It's a gift. But you've got to take the gift. The gift only works if you what? If you take it. Call to glory and virtue. That's what God had for us. We see that in Ephesians 1, that God called us to be holy and without blame before him from the foundation of the world that we be in Christ. Before the foundation of the world. That's, that's who God is. You know, we go back to where we started. Let's go back to, to Romans for last week's message. Romans chapter 8. Some of you are acting like you don't believe what I'm saying. It's the truth. We know the Spirit helps our infirmities. We don't know how to pray, but He does, and He searches the heart. And Verse 29, whom He did foreknow, He also predestined. That's a big old word. It just means predetermined. To be conformed to the image of his son, he predetermined all of us to be conformed to the image of his son, that Jesus is the firstborn among many more. You got it? 
Moreover, whom he did predestine, them he called, and whom he called, them he justified, and whom he justified, he glorified, every other fied. Then what shall we say? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not also with him freely give us everything? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elite? It is God that justifies. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather that is risen, who is at the right hand of God, who makes intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, sore. As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the land, we are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, though, in all these things we are not just conquerors, we're more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I'm persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature, any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. What can separate? Who is he that condemneth? You know, I was reading that the other day. Every one of us belong to the Lord. You know, when we judge and we criticize one another or even another denomination or somebody else, who are we to condemn somebody as another man's master? Who are we to do that? Who can, can condemn us? I want you to see what I, what I picked up in the spirit there. He says, who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? Now, if I'm his, that means nobody has a right to judge me or criticize me about what I do or what I say. Right or wrong. Because who do I belong to? We had this discussion in the coffee shop this morning about Romans chapter 14. Why do you judge your brother because he doesn't live like you or doesn't act like you do? He doesn't have to answer to you. He belongs to God. Who are you to judge another man's servant? See? And we've got to start seeing that. Why is that important? Because as he is, so are we. When we really start seeing each other the way we really are, do you know what we're really judging and criticizing? It's not the new man. It's that old thing we don't like. Right? It's not the new man. You know, that's why Paul said in 2 Corinthians there, he said, we don't know any man after the flesh anymore. We don't see that anymore. What we see is if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away and all things are become new. Yay. But as, as we see that, we go on. In John chapter 5, Jesus says, The Son can do nothing of himself but what he sees the Father do. For what several things the Father does, these also the Son does likewise. For the Father judges no man. Wow. Catch that. What does it say? The Father judges no man. God's not going to judge anybody. Who said that? Jesus did. But hath committed all judgment unto the Son. I of my own self can do nothing. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just because I seek not my own will, but the will of him that sent me. So the only way that you can judge in a spiritual way is to judge from the new man in his will. You with me? He said, if I judge, my judgment's just because it's, my will's not involved. It's the Father's will. But you know what? What did Jesus say to the scribes and Pharisees? Don't you think I'm going to judge you? I'm not going to judge you. The words that I've spoken to you, the same will judge you in that day. The Father's not going to judge you. Jesus said, I'm not going to judge you. But the word that I've spoken will judge you in that day. That's pretty profound, isn't it? Isaiah chapter 11 
It says, let me, let me turn to Isaiah chapter 11. I want to see if there's something else there. Isaiah chapter 11. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Verse 1 says, There shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse. A branch shall grow forth out of his roots. And we know it's talking about Christ. And it says, And the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord, and shall make him of quick understanding in the fear of the Lord. And he shall not judge after the sight of his eyes, neither reprove after the hearing of his ears. He will not judge. What do we usually judge from? What we see or what we hear? This thing about Jesus said he's not going to judge after what he sees or what he hears. But what? I'm only going to do what the Father, what I see the Father do because I seek not my own will but the will of him that sent me. And he says, but with righteousness shall he judge the poor and reprove with equity the meek of the earth and he shall smite the earth with the rod of his mouth and the breath of his lips shall he slay the wicked and righteousness shall be the girdle of his loins and faithfulness the girdle of his reign. Now look with me. We're talking about the kingdom now. And the wolf also shall dwell with the lamb, and the leopard shall lie down with the kid and the calf and the young lion, fatling that be together, and a child shall lead them, and the cow and the bear shall feed, and their young ones shall lie down together, and the lion shall, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox, and the suckling child shall play on the hole of the asp, and the weaned child shall put his hands on the cockatrice den. Now what she's talking now he's talking about the kingdom. He's talking about the kingdom here, now catch this. And they shall not hurt, nor destroy in all my holy mountain. For the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Why is there not going to be any hurt? Why is there not going to be nobody hurting one another or, or animals or anything else? Why? Because the kingdom's in place. And when the kingdom's place is because they're all going to be filled with the knowledge of God. Yeah. Whereby are given to us exceeding great and precious promises that why? Through these promises we may know the knowledge of God. We can know who he is and what he's like. Jesus came to show us the Father and what he did. Every place he went, he exemplified the nature of his Father. God is what? Good. Sometimes. No. All the time. And see, the reason all of this was happening, because they were going to be filled with the knowledge of the Lord. What did Paul pray in Ephesians 1? From the day, first day I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus, I cease not to pray for your uniting day, that the Father of glory may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what? What he's freely given to us. What he's what? Freely given to us. That we would know that. And we know the surpassing love that passes understanding. That's what we need. We need a revelation of who we are in our new identity. And that takes away a lot of this, this old stuff that's really hurting. And, and, and we're all partakers of that thing. And we don't need to be. Amen. Give me an amen. amen. Matthew 7, what does he say? Judge not, and you'll not be judged. Condemn not, and you'll not be what? Condemned. That's pretty clear. John eight fifteen sixteen. 16, he said to this, the Pharisees, you judge after the flesh. Woo-woo. He says, I judge no man. The Father's not going to judge anybody. And Jesus said, I'm not going to judge anybody. Where are we going with this, Pastor? I'm not sure. The Father's not judging you. 
Jesus is not judging you. Who is he that condemneth? Who is the accuser? Who is the condemner? Huh? Slewfoot. There is no condemnation to those that are in Christ. For the spirit of life in Christ has made you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, in that it was what? Weak through the flesh. It says, you judge after the flesh. I judge no man. Yet if I do judge, my judgment is true, for I'm not alone, but the Father that sent me. John seven twenty four. he says, judge not according to appearance, but judge righteous judgment. 1 Peter 1, 9 says, the Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptation and reserve the unjust unto the day of judgment to be punished. John 12, 31, 32. Now I want you to see something here. Remember Jesus said, except a corn of wheat fall on the ground and die, it abides alone. But if it die, it brings forth much fruit. He that saveth his soul will lose it, but he that loses his soul, and now is my soul troubled. And you know what he said here? John 12. Now, now, he's going to the cross right now. He's going to the garden, he's going to the whipping post, and he's going to the cross. And what he's saying right here is something we need to catch. He says in John 12, 31, now is the judgment of this world. When? Now. Catch me. And now shall the prince of this world be cast out. See, all the judgment. He that's what? Sinneth is of the devil. First John 3, 8. For this purpose the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. What is sin? It's a work of the devil. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested, and by one offering, he took care of sin forever, right or wrong. The judgment was on Satan and the sin. Now is the judgment of this world. Now shall the prince of this world be cast out. Now, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, John chapter, what, 16, he will convince the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment, of sin because they didn't believe, unbelief, of righteousness because I go to the Father and you see me no more. How many of you, the Holy Spirit's trying to convince you how righteous you are? How many of you having a hard time convincing you? Right? Because the other guy that's over there con- trying to convince you of a few things. But the last one, he says, what did he say? Of judgment. Because the prince of this world has already been judged. The devil has already been judged. Scripture says some men's sins go on before the judgment. Others follow after. See, your, ju- your sin's already been judged. It's over. Now is the judgment of sin on this world, and he took care of it for us once for all. Anybody want to argue with that? Go to Hebrews. Read it for yourself. See, judgment has already been taken care of in relationship to the enemy and what he's done. And that means in our lives. It's already been judged. And if any man is in Christ, he's what? John 16, verse 7 11. Of judgment because the prince of this world is judged. Goes on, 1 John 3, 8. He that committed sin is of the devil, for the devil sins from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil, which was sin. Therefore, whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin. For God's seed remains in him, and he cannot sin because he's born of God. You got it? That which is born of God, that new creature in you cannot sin. You say, well, I cannot sin. Oh, yeah. 
you can go back to who you were instead of who you are. You need to find out who you are and stay who you are and not let the devil pull you back into who you used to be. It's a matter of identity. We don't know who we are. We read this, The School of Christ. I think Mike Nanita got us started on this book years ago. T. Austin Sparks. We read this this morning. Just happened to fit with what we're reading. Says what? Truth. Not what I am, but what thou art. That is where truth is. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you what? Free. What? From what? Free from what, it says. If you're not free, what are you in? Bondage. What bondage? Satan clapping his chains of condemnation upon you because today you're not filling up the scratch. You're feeling bad in the Constitution, and you're feeling depressed, and you're feeling death all around you. You're feeling irritated. And Satan comes in alongside and says, you're not a Christian. A fine Christian you are. Look at what you're doing. You go down under it. And is that truth? No, it's a lie. The only answer for deliverance and emancipation is not what I am, but what he is. Christ abides the same. He is not as I am varying with here in human life from hour to hour and from day to day. He is other. Scripture says, as he is, so will we wear now in this present world. The only accusation Satan has when he tries to pull you out of who you are and to show you you're not acting like who you are. Well, what's the answer to that? We need to quit acting like who we were and start acting like who we are. And what? There is no condemnation to those that are in Christ. See, it's really, it's really clear once we see what's happening around us. But we have an adversary, 2 Corinthians 4, 4, the God of this world, blinds the minds of them that believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel should shine. Why would he want you to see who you are? If he can keep convincing you who you used to be, and that's who you are, then he's got you. And that's his only answer to every one of us. Oh, whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin, for his seed remains in you. He cannot sin because he's born of God. See, it's not a matter of you changing. It's a matter of exchanging seeds. You're born of an corruptible seed. You're born again of an incorruptible seed that cannot sin. You're born of God. You got that? It's an exchange. It says, verse 9, In this the children of God are manifest and the children of the devil. Whosoever doth not righteousness is not of God, neither he that loveth not his brother. I want you to see this something. He that's righteous does righteousness. Now, I may not be aware of righteousness, but that part of me that's born of God is righteous, even as he is righteous. And I don't have to work at being righteous. I'm just righteous because God made me righteous. He that knew no sin became sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God. So I go through this world in my new creation, and I'm as righteous as I'll ever get. I don't have to work at being righteous. I'm born righteous. Now, that other guy over there, he's not righteous. He's never been righteous, and he never will be righteous. Doesn't matter how hard I work at it or how much I try to pump him up or, or, or you know, make him fast and pray and do all this stuff, he's still going to be unrighteous. Because in this are manifest the children of the devil and the children of God. Look at the Pharisees. Man, they had this, accept your righteousness, exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees. You'll not even enter the kingdom. How would you like to listen to that message? How would you like to be sitting there listening to it? And these guys had the whole Bible memorized. 
I mean, they, they, those guys was on a level that you could never even attain to. And Jesus says to you, except your righteousness exceed theirs, you can't even enter in. What happens now? I'm hopeless. What was he trying to say? With man, it's impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Well, the only way your righteousness can exceed their righteousness is to receive the righteousness of God by faith. Right? I mean, that's why he came to, to make it clear there's only one way. And he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. That's why I know today I don't get all bent out of shape of all the stuff that's going on around that you ought to do this and you ought to do that and you really ought to help yourself and do a little of this. No. There's only one way. And he's the door. And by me, he says, I am the door to the Father. It's not just a matter of going to heaven. He's the door to the Father. Some people can say, if I die, I'm going to go to heaven. No. Jesus said, by me, I am the door to the Father. See, it's not a matter of just getting to heaven. In my Father's house are many rooms. See, we become, when we're born again, we become part of a family that's in the Father's house. And the only way you're going to get there is through Jesus Christ. Now, I know there's a lot of stuff going on, but I want to just say this for record's sake. The Jews don't get a special deal. They're going to come through the door or they ain't coming through at all. Just because they're Jew doesn't give them special favor. One of these days, the scripture says, they're going to behold the one whom they pierced. And all Israel will be saved in one day. One of these days, their eyes are going to be open to the one they pierced. And they're going to come the same way we came. So don't go trying to do what they do to make yourself a little more holy because what they're doing ain't making nobody holy. So don't get caught up in all of that stuff. By grace you're saved through faith, and that faith is not a, it's a gift of God, not a works lest any man should boast. So just quit. Let's go fishing, Marion. No. Some people need to go fishing. I'm just telling you. You know, I think about when Jesus, most of the Pharisees and scribes, now don't take this wrong. When they was trying to find Jesus, they had to go to Max, the, Matthew's house, the tax collector, and he had all of his tax collecting buddies there with him. And most of the time they found Jesus with tax collectors and sinners and harlots. And he'd say to the disciples, why does he do this? Why is he eating with sinners and harlots and, and drinking with these alcoholics? What is this? Does this look like religion? That's where he was found. I remember one pastor, Mumford was pastoring this lady. And she said about drinking wine. And she says, any lips that touch wine will not touch mine. And he said to this lady, he says, you know, Jesus turned water into wine. He, she said, yeah, I know he did. And I think, I think less of him because of it. All right. I, I'm not saying, and they even called Jesus a wine bibber, didn't they? What, what am I saying here? Don't let your legalism mess you up to where you can't see what God's doing. Amen. Now, I'll be the first to tell you, I know some people personally that got started just social drinking with some friends, a little wine for the stomach's sake or the parties, and probably an alcoholic now. There's nothing good can come from that. 
I'm not condoning that, but I'm telling you something. You need to catch the spirit of this thing. It's not about what you do. It's about what he's done. You know, he went through the cornfields and his disciples, we read that this morning, was hungry on the Sabbath day. So he gave them corn. They ate corn and the scribes and the Pharisees saw it. They said, why? It's unlawful to eat on the Sabbath day, you know, to do this. And he said, listen, if you'll learn this, I want you to learn this lesson. He said this, I desire mercy and not sacrifice. For I'm not come to call the righteous, self-righteous, but sinners to repentance. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. Now, what does it say about mercy in James? It says he will have judgment without mercy upon him that shows no mercy. But mercy, when you show mercy, that mercy rejoices against the judgment that would come. He will have judgment without mercy on those that show no mercy. But mercy rejoices against judgment. When you show mercy instead of judgment, you receive mercy back. You see what he's saying here? And that's the way this this kingdom things work. You know, we talked about Romans chapter 1. We know what's in Romans chapter 1. They exchanged the glory of God in the image of corruptible man, worship and serve the creature more than the creator, and God gave them up to reprobate mind. To do all those things, it's not, we don't talk about it, but the next very verse in chapter 2, he's still the same thing. He says, therefore, you're inexcusable, old man, who you are that judges another. For when you judge another, you condemn yourself. And think it's not you that do the same, but you'll escape the judgment. And are, are you upset because I'm good? Don't you know that it's the goodness of God that leads you to repentance? What is it that leads you to repentance? Is it our judgmental, critical attitude? No, it's his goodness. See, he's trying to take some things off of us like onion skins. It's just coming off a little bit at a time. And it's messing up some of our thinking, isn't it, Steve? It's really messed. We've had this thing in place for 30 years, and it's been pretty good. I've kind of enjoyed it. But all of a sudden, he starts peeling off these things that we thought we were comfortable with because we're beginning to see that that's religion. And what does religion do? It rebinds you. It pulls you back in. The word, the definition of Webster for religion is to rebind. Look it up yourself. To rebind. It binds you back. So what's the scripture say? Stand therefore, stand fast therefore in the liberty wherewith Christ has made you free. The liberty, that word liberty, guess what it is? Freedom. Stand fast in the freedom wherewith Christ has set you free and be not again entangled with the yoke of what? Bondage. Whenever you go back there, it's bondage of Satan. Stand fast in the freedom. And do not be entangled again in the yoke of bondage. What's 1 Corinthians say? It is for freedom that Christ set us free. So don't be entangled again with bondage. Whenever it talks about bondage, a lot of times it's talking about the law. And what's the law for? Sin. Who's responsible for sin? Satan. You with me? He that sinneth is of the devil. For the devil sins from the beginning. So everything tied with that is, is from him. Oh, help me, Jesus. John chapter 12, he says, If any man hear my words, verse 44, I think, and believe not, I judge him not, for I came not to judge the world. Uh-oh, there he said it again. If any man hear my words and believe not, I judge him not, for I came not to judge the world, 
but to save the world. Did Jesus come to judge the world? Why did Jesus come? To save the world. He that rejects me and receives not my words, that's one that judges him. The word that I have spoken, the same shall judge him in the last day. Hebrews 4 says the word of God is quick, it's powerful, it's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even the sunder of soul and spirit and joints and the marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. The word of God judges the heart. It exposes the heart. James chapter 3 says, My brethren, be not many masters, knowing we will receive the greater judgment. James 2, so speak ye and so do you as they that shall be judged by the law of liberty. How many of you would rather be judged by the law of liberty? Amen. I see those heads shaking faintly, faintly just a little bit. See, Christ come to set us free. And that freedom, not only for yourself, it's, it's for those that we deal with. Oh, thank you, Lord. Galatians chapter 3, verse 13 says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree. Cursed is everyone that hangs. He came to deliver us from the curse of the law. Now, you ever read Deuteronomy 28 and 29 about the blessings and the curses? Now, all the blessings are there for doing right. All the curses are there for doing wrong. All the law was around doing good or doing evil. Knowledge of tree, knowledge of good, and it's all based on your performance. How many of you want to be judged by that? I don't think so. But see, Christ redeemed us from that curse. Being made the curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangs on the tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles by faith. We got it all by faith as a gift. And you didn't do one thing but receive it. So stand fast in that liberty and that freedom and don't get back under that yoke of doing what's right and doing what's wrong. Because the minute you go there, it's a dead end street. Because you can never do enough good to get there. There's only one that did it and he did it perfectly. I'm telling you, when Jesus came, he came to do the will of the Father for three and a half years. Not one time did he do what he wanted to do or say what he wanted to say. But he totally fulfilled the, word, the law to the... He said, well, who, which one of you convicts me, convinces me of sin? One of you, just any of you, tell me where I've sinned. They couldn't do it. Because why? The law said he had to be perfect. And how many of you know something? He was. But he was the only one that could. He had to come in the natural human body to do a perfect work to fulfill the law's demands. And he did it. So why, do we, why would we think we can do something to help him do that when we know we can't. So we need to stand fast in the what? Liberty. Because Christ redeemed us. Oh, what does that mean? Romans says, without the law, sin is dead. Uh-oh, what does this mean? Accusation and condemnation has ended. Accusation and condemnation has ended. Jesus took care of the accusation and the accuser and the condemnation. For the spirit of life in Christ has made me free from the law of sin and death. There is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ. And accusation. It's all been taken care of. What? Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to those that believe. The end. 
What is that? Alpha Omega. He is the end. You're as righteous as you're ever going to be. So just get over it. Go sit down and get up and work from that righteous position the rest of your life in freedom and liberty. Amen? Scripture says, Oh, Lord. You know, in Isaiah 53, when it says that Jesus, when God, when Jesus was in the garden, and when Jesus, it says it, it says God saw, it pleased God to crush Jesus, to make his soul an offering for sin. God shall see the travail of his soul, mind, will, and emotion, and be satisfied. How many of you know God's satisfied? How many of you know he's still satisfied? How many of you know God's not mad at you anymore? Scripture says what? Your sins and your iniquities will I remember no more. He's chosen not to do what Christ has done. It's over. It's finished. It's a finished work. Is, it a, is this it's just too good to be true, isn't it? Oh, pastor, it's just too good to be true. It is true. God's not mad at you anymore. He's not mad. His, all of his wrath was poured out on his son. He became sin for us so we could become the righteousness of God. So when you sit down today for your easy chair, just take a little moment and say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, that I can enter into your rest because of what you've done. Not based on anything, but just on what you've done. And I guarantee you when you get up, what Rod was trying to say a while ago is, you'll find yourself, he that's righteous does righteousness. You'll find yourself doing things that's just automatic and you don't even know you're doing them. Because they're what? Born of God. Father, thank you for your word. Lord, we just ask you to help us get a hold of this revelation. Of, of your knowledge of God and the Lord Jesus Christ so we can walk in the newness of life. And we thank you for that one sacrifice that made us holy, that made us righteous, and that sanctified us forever in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen.